I'm Steve Rossi. I'm a pastor here at the Gospel Tabernacle. If there are any visitors and you don't know, uh, welcome to you again. And um, we're going to jump right in because there's a lot to cover, and it's all good. Um, you know, Jesus often would demonstrate the kingdom of God. He would perform a miracle, um, or you know, you know, he would heal someone, or uh, send away a demon, or and 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 or he would teach by way of parables, and both of which he would often do without much explanation or qualification. And then, but later he would come around and he would explain, right? So like man born blind, uh, he healed him. And then the man was, went to the temple and was kind of persecuted and kicked out by religious leaders. And Jesus came back to him and explained who it was that healed him, and he fell on his face and worshiped God and came to faith in Christ, right? Um, parables were this way, right? He would always explain them afterwards to his disciples when they didn't understand them. Well, I just wanted to do a little family debrief with you guys about last week, <laughs> um, because last week happened, for those who weren't here, we had an unusual service by way of not taking communion or the preaching of the Word, because the Holy Spirit met us in, I would say, an unusual way, not like, not unlike, rather, other services where we preach the Word and people encounter God through the preaching of the message, not like other services where we do, where we partake in communion. Like this morning, there's power in it, and people have been healed during communion, right? There's power in this table because there's obedience to take of it until He comes, right, to proclaim His death. And so, uh, but I would say unusual in the way that maybe God came differently, or maybe His presence came in a more weighty way. There's a lot of ways people might describe this, um, but I just want to process that uh, to you uh, right now, uh, for now, and then if, if you have questions, if, please feel free to talk to any of us as leaders. But um, basically, there was a point uh, in the service where Jake... Uh, transition us to communion. And, and given that Jake was on the platform, it's good for you guys to know that, um, you know, uh, that he was completely submitted to our leadership. Uh, but, you know, we're a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered family on mission. And Christ-centered means that we exalt Christ above all else. And in all that we do and in all that we say, our aspiration is to center, to exalt Christ. And so a litmus test of this kind of service when something like this happens is, was Christ exalted? Did we stay centered on Jesus, the person of Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? And um, I, think, I think another aspect is the fruit, right? Was there good fruit from it or testimonies uh, that people experienced the Lord in this? Um, and uh, I want to tell you that a lot of people did um, experience God both here and even online. There was a testimony of someone online um, who experienced the power of God uh, while watching this um, and uh, manifestations of the Spirit uh, by which he was edified and, and felt the Lord speak some particular things to him, just as an example of that. And so... Um, you know, we're spirit-empowered, and in that value, we say that 
we value his voice, his gifts, his fruit, and his manifestations. And that if uh, it's God, then we want it. And we don't, um, we're less concerned about how he comes than that he comes. And so, to be clear, I could have, I made a decision um, by the choice of the will. Uh, I made a decision not to transition to communion, and we could have. And we may have experienced God in every way the same. Um, but I had enough prophetic words from folks. Uh, one of the ways that we, that we experienced God, I mentioned his voice. His voice was like many waters. There were many confirmations in those words about what God was doing in the room in the moment. I'm just sharing this with you before we go into the sermon because uh, I think it's good for us, like I said, to debrief these things and to understand because you didn't experience, I was privy to all this information, right? When I walked into the room, I was talking with a pastor who was visiting from our association of churches, and I was filling up with tears as we talked about something mundane because of the presence of God in this place. But this is before the service started. <laughs> and um, shortly thereafter began to weep uh, in worship. And so all of these things culminated toward my decision, right? Like God was just meeting in a, in a maybe a different way is how I perceived it. Um, and I just humbly submit to you, I could have been wrong, um, I don't regret the decision. Uh, I think that I, I know that God was exalted, that there was good fruit. Um, and lastly, I just want to speak to the family on mission part. As a family, we all experience God in many different ways, right? And some's spiritual temperaments or ways they generally encounter the Lord are, um, you know, more so through His Word, Others are more so through the power of the Spirit, for example. And we seek to be centered as a word and spirit, or a word and power church, a word and spirit church, both. You know, the, the living Christ can manifest us in many different ways. Does it exalt Jesus, and does it secure me in affirming my identity in Christ, and who He says He is, and who He says I am in Jesus? Okay? And so... Uh, but I also know what that means is that some did not experience the Lord at all last week. Uh, they didn't perceive anything spiritual happening, and they wondered also what was going on in the room where, you know, different maybe manifestations were occurring without qualification, right? Without explanation, because you can't really do that for everything that's going on when God meets a room like that. And so I just want to say to you, this is the family part. <laughs> Please come to us as leaders with any questions or concerns that you might have. Um, and, and we want to come alongside of you in that as well. Um, and your questioning of this, you know, even if the question is, is this real? Or what was that? Or, you know, we would love to talk to you about that. Um, I'd rather talk to you about it than not if you have questions or concerns. So, I just wanted to speak to some of that. You know, the mission part um, is when Jesus meets a room, what is the purpose of Jesus meeting a room like that, where he might do something like that instead of the order of service? Well, our founder, A.B. Simpson, said to be expectant 
without agenda. So we have our plans, and we come prepared in our responsibilities and obedience to the Lord and what He's called us to do, right? That is an order of service. Um, but our agenda to fulfill that service is not required for Him to meet us in power and to bring transformation. Generally, of course, uh, we, you know, another, another value of ours is the Bible. <laughs> and we love the Bible, because Jesus is the Word of God. And so, generally, of course, we are preaching the Word of God, and you already know that. But I just want to say the mission part is God empower, God encounters a room and brings transformation and empowers a people and sets people free and heals people and fills people afresh with His Spirit for the mission of God. For when Isaiah said, here am I, Send me as his glory filled the temple. Well, we're the temple today. <laughs> Amen. And so we encountered God and his glory and his presence to be sent out. Who will go? Brothers and sisters, there is no morality or rules that will convince us to go. And we can't in our own righteousness that is filthy acts go. We don't care to go, except by the power of God, except by the love of God in us. And we need renewal. We need to be renewed in our spirit, man. And we're being renewed day by day. And this was a way that he came. And so um, I praise him for all of it that is of him. And uh, I'm just uh, thankful to you for listening to me share our little monologue debrief <laughs> so but yeah please and if you know if you're last thing if you're hungry and you didn't experience anything and you've never experienced God in those ways I just want to encourage you as your family that we are here to walk alongside of you in that to contend for encounter with you in all the ways that God and I'm going to talk about in a little bit all the ways some a lot of the ways that God meets with us and if you're hungry, I just want to encourage you that even in the not yet season of experiencing him, we will grieve with you. We will contend with you for God to meet you and reveal himself to you more fully. Now, if you'll turn with me on your devices or in your Bibles or look on the screen with me at Genesis 27, we're going to be looking at a particular story this morning as you get there or get ready to look on your screen. Please follow along as I read from the Word of God. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. 
just want to stop here and say, encourage you to really tune into this because it's a little longer. I should have said this at the beginning. It's a little longer, and you're listening and not saying it with me. Um, but uh, just just really tune in here. Stay with us. Stay with the word here, and let the word read you. Let the word um, sink in. Really, really posture yourself, not just to pay attention, but more so. We're talking about that transformation. Um, this is the word of God. This has the capacity to read you, so to speak, to encounter you even now as we just read it with no explanation or teaching of it. Amen. Verse 4, prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck, with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, father, My father, yes, my son, he answered, Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you give, may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked? I am. He replied. Then he said, my son. Bring me some of your game to eat 
so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him. You know, we received the word that, um, you know, there will be times when God's presence comes really strong, and... uh, you know, you're to fall down. I would describe that as what happened last week, like just yield to it. And there are times when God's presence comes and you'll stand up under it. God will give you the grace for that. I think that's what he's doing right now. <laughs> I really feel his presence. I This didn't happen ever in my preparation. Um, so I'm going to get a little drink of water here. Praise God for His Word, a fresh word this morning. Well, it's important we understand um, the uh, context of this passage. So, a little family history. Uh, Many of you know, some of you may not, that uh, Isaac, the father here, he was the son of Abraham. And Abraham was promised by God to be the father of many nations, um, and that he would be the father of nations who were an heir of a promise, Jews and Gentiles alike, justified by faith. So in that regard, uh, you know, scholars would say that Abraham was a type of our heavenly father, right? Right? Um, not because he was perfect, not because he was God, but, but rather a type or a shadow, okay? Well, in that sense, Isaac was a type of Christ. He was the firstborn son of, of Abraham, the seed to begin the fulfillment of this promise to this family line, right? And in their oral tradition, they would have known full well of the stories Right, of how God came to Abraham and spoke to him this promise that his descendants will be like the stars in the sky. And so Rebecca, you know, they would know that Isaac was a miracle baby, you know, born uh, when his mom Sarah was around 100 years old. So they knew the promises. They knew the story. In fact, it was promised to Rebecca, if you could put that up, Chris, that first slide. Do you have that? Um, there should be, it's, if you go next, uh, beyond the passage. One more? Or after the passage should be the... Do you have it? I mean, I could just read it from here. If, oh, if you go back. Okay, it's not there, but... Oh, I probably didn't tell her. All right, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So that is what God said 
um, to Rebekah about Esau and Jacob, okay? That the older will serve the younger. And in this passage, you know, uh, I, I didn't know this. Jacob's no spring chicken. He's like somewhere between 60 and 85 years old. And so they've been waiting a long time. Many commentators say different, you know, kind of in that range. But they've been waiting a long time for this promise. And their faith has evidently waned, right? And they've jumped ahead of God and what he wanted to do. And so, have you ever done that? Have you ever got a word from the Lord and jumped ahead of him with the application? Or have you ever lost faith? So, here they essentially steal what was promised to them. Um, They take it before it was given. And, you know, this kind of reminds me of the prodigal son story that Jesus taught as a parable about uh, this son who prematurely goes to his father. We know it's premature, one, because the father hadn't given it yet, and an inheritance is to be given to a son. And he says, I want my inheritance now, right? And so he does that, and then he goes on to squander it, further evidencing he wasn't ready for it. Well, in 2009, I felt called to move to Aliquippa, and I did not, um, and, and Julie did not feel peace about that. And so, you know, we wrestled uh, with God about that and, and just submitted to each other and waited on the Lord for, you know, to her to have a peace And I'm so glad that we did, because when her peace came and we moved there in 2011, um, I just believe that we avoided a lot of strife. God was teaching us mutual submission in our marriage through this this opportunity, through this situation. Um, If we would have gone there in 2009, I wouldn't have been ready and I squandered, I would have squandered it. And... um, God is faithful, but I'm grateful that we waited. She had the timing, I had the revelation, and I confused the revelation for the intended time of the application, so to speak, right? So, Rebecca and Jacob, they steal this promise, and they jump the gun with God, but basically... What they do here is they hurt God and grieve Him with their sin. And by doing this, um, you know, there's consequences. Uh, and uh, even today, as we, when we don't have faith and we let fear drive us, we hurt God. You know, we take after God in the way that when our children, if our children hurt us, or our children, uh, or friend, a friend betrays us, it causes us much pain, right? Well, God feels that pain too. And it grieves Him. You know, that word sin is based on the wickedness of unbelief. And so it grieves Him. Why? Because not just because they didn't believe the promise, but they didn't believe in the character of the one who gave it. They didn't believe in God. They lost faith in God, not just His promise. And so that's why He was hurt. 
And even today, he grieves when we don't trust him. And we cannot please God without faith, the Bible says. And, my f- and Jesus says that our work is to believe in him. And so, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And, and the Lord also says, incline your ear and hear that your soul may live. Well, I just explained in our little family debrief that there's so many ways we hear God. But when we talk about hearing God, we're talking about spiritually hearing or encountering the living Word of God, the person of Jesus Christ. And so that can happen through the reading of the Word as the Holy Spirit in you illuminates the Word to you and brings life to you with a fresh Word. It can happen in, through uh, an inner voice, say, uh, or, or in other words, someone might say, God spoke to my heart. Well, how do you know that was God? It's a good question, right? This one's a little more subjective because the Scriptures are ultimate authority against which we judge the other ways we hear. Let me explain. So someone says, God spoke to my heart. Well, was it loving? Was it affirming? The Scriptures say that our spirits testify with the Holy Spirit that we're children of God. Does it affirm our identity in Christ as His children, His beloved children with whom He's well pleased? Well, then it was probably the voice of God, right? If it was condemning, if it was shaming, if it was anxiety or fear producing, it was another voice. It was either the voice of the enemy or your own thought. And we're called to take those thoughts captive. He speaks, uh, the scriptures say, through angels. We see that all through the scriptures, ministering flames of fire who come to serve the church and strengthen us and commission us and speak to us messages of God. He speaks through spiritual gifts, prophecy, words of wisdom. I believe the spirit of prophecy was here uh, as part of how he came last week. And again, we judge these ways against Scripture. Is this prophecy, uh, is, is God giving me something that's to tell forth to someone, to strengthen, encourage, and comfort them? Is that, is that what this word is? Well, then I believe it's the Lord, right? And we see in part and we know in part, but these are ways to hear God is my point. These are ways we relate to God in relationship. And our role, brothers and sisters, in that is to keep posturing the Bible. Incline your ear. Posture your heart to hear him. And the context in which we do that is worship, prayer, the Word of God, and community. We don't do that alone. That's part of why last week was so beautiful. We do that together, and we hear better together. One of the ways I got direction, as I mentioned, was confirming words from other people, like... um, This is an aroma to Jesus, and um, God's anointing is on this direction. Um, But when we don't position our hearts to God to hear from Him, we lose faith. And the Bible says if we're faithless, He is faithful because He cannot disown Himself. 
One of Jesus' names is faithful and true. He is faithful not just in that he is all reliable and dependable, but in that he is all believing, loyal to faith, faith filled. God has perfect faith, (laughs) belief in himself, in his purposes, in his promises. The Bible says love is all believing. (laughs) And faith without deeds is dead. And so we know, though, that Jesus is faithful, not just because it's his nature, not just because he's God, but even because of his works on earth, right? He said that my food is to do the will of my Father. Well, he's not just faithful. That name is one name, faithful and true. And true means an authentic connection between what is true and its origin. Or the true man. Or the truth against which all other things and people are measured. Jesus is the truth. Right? And he learned obedience by suffering, the scripture said. This one who is faithful and true, fully God, when he was on earth, learned obedience through suffering. This the scripture calls obedience of faith. Imagine Jesus. Faithful and true, uncompromising to his faithfulness, full of faith, hanging on a cross as sin, as a curse for us, with such pain that he cried out, why, O God, have you forsaken me? But in doing so, he did not compromise his faith. He did not compromise his faithfulness. That was the level of pain that he experienced at our unbelief, or in a word, our sin. And from his nature, he performs the work of his promises, like he's the author and finisher of our faith. He is perfecting faith in us. He's conforming us into His image. That He's all abounding in faithfulness, right? Great is His faithfulness it reaches to the skies. That He's working all things for the good. That is all of our unbelief, all of our trauma, all of our failures and mistakes. He does not waste any of them, but He's redeemed them at the cross, and is redeeming them in real time in your life. Do you believe that? Do you have faith for that truth? He's working all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. This is His faithfulness to us. I could have read from almost any story, right, from Scripture today to show a people who failed God 
in their faith, but God remained faithful to His promises. Amen? And you know, God actually is forming His faith in us. Does that make sense? He's forming, even, faith is a gift to us by which we receive more grace. He formed his faith in Abraham, who believed that he could sacrifice in obedience his son Isaac, knowing, believing that he would be resurrected. He formed his faith in Abel, whose sacrifice was credited to him as righteousness. He formed his faith in the Israelites when they were told to march around Jericho seven times for a wall to fall down, right? He imparted the gift of faith. He formed his faith in them. By Jesus' faith, he endured the cross. And I would be remiss, brothers and sisters, not to talk about another key to growing in faith in addition to hearing God. And that is the testing of our faith. So if you could put on the screen this next passage, Chris. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Jesus is called the author and finisher or perfecter, completer of our faith. And here we see how that happens. <laughs> Being mature, not lacking anything. How? Through perseverance. How? Through trials. And so I can consider it pure joy when God uses trials, even temptations of the enemy, like he did Jesus in the wilderness, even temptations of the enemy to make me complete as I submit to him in faith, to form his faith in me. Jesus didn't just do right things. When he was on earth, he was perfect in faith, and it was his faith by which he did them. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. That perseverance, or you know, that word means to wait patiently for. Jesus had, this is growing our capacity to wait on the Lord is what we're talking about here. The perfecting of our faith is to grow our capacity to wait with what? Expectation or faith that He will do what He said He's going to do. And so trials form faith in us when we trust God and yield to Him in that. Could a worship leader come up? Thanks, John. Someone shared with me recently of a Tim Keller talk on God's faithfulness and how, um, you know, 
the direction Tim Keller went with that, the best description was the language God uses throughout Scripture about Christ as the bridegroom and us as the bride. Well, you know, it's interesting that um, Rebecca, if Isaac was a type of Christ, as I mentioned earlier, Rebecca was a type of bride, a type of the church, right? And her name means binding beauty. She was abandoned to Isaac. And here she lived beneath her identity, right? But her identity was bound to God and beautiful. And that is our identity. Our identity as the church is bound to God and beautiful. It's a picture, right? And in unbelief, she lived beneath her identity, but God didn't see her according to her failure. God saw her according to who he called her, Rebecca. No, you're Rebecca. You are bound to Isaac, or you are bound to me by faith and beautiful. Jacob, you may know, his name means deceiver. Some of you know that, and you're thinking, is he going to go to that? Because the illustration kind of breaks down. <laughs> Jacob's name means deceiver. I'm going to go there. Uh, <laughs> and here he lives beneath his identity, too. And you might ask, well, how's that? You know, a chapter later, Jacob... This is 20 years later, though, in time. Jacob would wrestle with God, right? And his name, after wrestling with God, would be changed to Israel, which means wrestling with God. You see, God encountered him, humbled him, transformed him, and evidenced or symbolized that in the name change. And who is Israel but God's people in the Old Testament? And who are we but God's people? Listen, part of who we are is to wrestle with God. <laughs> Joel said this a while ago that I think God likes to wrestle with us. <laughs> he likes to grapple the unbelief out of us. He likes to form his faith in us. And he's willing to meet us where we are. That's why the wrestling, right? I mean, that's why wrestling. If, if we were where he was, we wouldn't have to wrestle. <laughs> Jacob was contending for the blessing that God was already promised him. He was still contending for the blessing. He was wrestling with God. What? Until you bless me. And the Lord said, now's the time. On the other side, though, of the wrestling. On the other side of the wrestling, he got his promise. Let's look at this next slide. I am the Lord, this is the Lord speaking to Jacob, I am the Lord your God, 
the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you'll spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I am who I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Receive this word, church. Receive this word from the Lord. You don't need a fresh prophecy from me. Let's let's look at this. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised to you, what I've promised you. <laughs> Jacob came into faith. He came into alignment with truth. Should I say Israel? <laughs> came into faith. He came into alignment with the truth, the person of Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of his faith. Could this have been the pre-incarnate Christ who wrestled with him? Brothers and sisters, there's over 6,000 promises in Scripture. They are all yes. Do you know what that means? They're all a sure thing, a done deal. If he said it, he'll do it. Not only that, but this, this is why. It's because of his nature. He's not a man that he can lie. He's faithful but also because His Word has the power to perform itself. He formed the earth by His faith. The Word went forth by His faith, and He produced what He said. <laughs> All of His promises are yes. And the church says, Amen. So be it. That's a statement of faith, right? <laughs> so be it. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, lean in. Lean in. Hear from the Lord in the many ways, the manifold ways He speaks. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, when you're tested, when you're tempted, when you face trials of many kinds, lean in and wait. Because the Bible says, wait upon those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And what is our strength but the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is our strength. When you wait on the Lord, in time you will experience His joy, His strengthening, His faith formed in you. He is perfecting us. He is conforming us into His image. And He will complete the good work that He started.